folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Sam Ekstrom. The show brought to you by Scout Logistics as always. And joining us for some conversation about OTAs and what we saw on the practice field today, Dane Mizutani, Pioneer Press. Dane, back to football, my friend. Leave the wild behind, sir. You are now a football guy again. Yeah, I I was excited. Driving to the facility today, being like, all right, football starting again. And then, like, five minutes into OTAs, I was like, this is boring. Let's go back to the playoffs. I don't know. <laughs> but you have us to hang out with and snark right. about about what we're seeing. I, I'm sure – I'm sure the wild guys and the rest of the wild beat, they really love hockey. They want to write about the minutia. We do not. So we have a good time out there. Yeah. It was uh, it's it's good to see you guys again. It's good to see your face. <laughs> good to see you too, Dane. <laughs> I just, what's it like to be out there covering OTAs? Like this is about it, where we're like, oh, nice to see you guys, and uh, what you've been up yeah. to, you know. Uh, but uh, we did watch a practice, and it was a miserable practice that we bared <laughs> witness to. <laughs> and oh, okay, so I, I like uh, let's try to talk seriously about this one practice that we saw. Uh, every year there's an OTA or minicamp practice where the offense can't do anything and it always happens. And, and there's nothing that you can really make of it because it's going to, you know, it's going to have no bearing whatsoever on the future. Right. But, 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 uh, was it not somewhat interesting to see how much they were struggling with an offense that all of them talk about how it's not any different and Hey, Clint Kubiak's running the same schemes and everything else. And yet, just couldn't really get anything going. Would you take that as, oh, what's going on with your offense? Or or would you take it as the defense is back, if you had to? Because neither of these things are rational. I think the defense is back. <laughs> I think Zimmer pushed pushed all the right buttons this offseason. <laughs> and they might, you know, according to what we saw in the red zone drill, the Vikings may not allow a red zone touchdown all year. That or defense is just so good. They're just so good. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was terrible. 
It was horrible. It was, but, uh, it was so bad. What the hell was going on out at this practice that we were forced to be subjected to? I thought, like, are they pulling a gag on us? Uh, I mean, in, in all seriousness, it was one of the, the most miserable that we've seen. Not that it means a whole lot. And I'm sorry to cut you off, Dane, but it's just we should move this in a direction of things that matter and talk about, like, what we've heard today and sort of some of the stuff we saw. But I was just, like, mind blown at how ugly this was. Let's talk about our favorite plays of the day. Let, let's just continue this. <laughs> Okay. This for right. another couple minutes. My favorite play of the day was when Nate Stanley backpedaled from the pocket all the way to the sideline until he literally had no more room. He just <laughs> backpedaled at like a snail's pace as the pressure like continued to collapse on him. And then he threw it about 30 yards out of bounds. That was my favorite. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Amir Smith Marset running down the sideline. <laughs> I mean, he was going fast down the sideline. Kellen Mond unleashes by far the best throw we've seen him make in any of these practices. Just let loose a laser beam right off of the hands of Smith-Marset, and then he volleyed it up in the air, and someone intercepted it. Maybe Josh Metellus intercepted it, and that's kind of what we're looking at here. That is a takeaway, though, in all seriousness, that watching the receivers, you're kind of going – Okay, well, so the free agent market, again, as uh, we discussed that, I mean, they're they're just, they're only in shorts. We've only seen them twice. But there's been a lot of players just not catching footballs, and we saw a lot of that today. I think my favorite play was just, like, Kirk's, like, fourth check down, fifth check down, sixth check down. He just checked down all day. It was, like, the only completion Kirk made. He actually threw one – I think he threw one good ball to Jefferson. It was, like, a post. But other than that, check down City, which is all I can expect out of Kirk. Oh, honorable, wow. mention, honorable mention is when Miles Dorn broke up a pass with his helmet <laughs> that he wasn't looking at. <laughs> with his whatever they're calling it, with the the dome on his head, yeah. uh, the, the biker helmet, I guess. Yeah, it hit him right directly in the back of the head, which I, I think, I mean, honestly, I would not want to get hit even with a helmet on, with a football coming at you from an NFL quarterback in the back of the head. But he played it off like nothing happened. And this is OTAs, everyone. Uh, so let, let's let's get into some serious discussion. And then I've got the best quotes of the day, but completely out of context. But a lot of them apply to our own lives. So this is kind of where we're at today. Um, but let's let's talk about Irv Smith Jr. a little bit. If there's one thing I notice, it's that Irv Smith looks bigger and that there's a lot of discussion about him. Uh, fantasy people are very interested and very high on Irv Smith Jr. Uh, what, what do we think of just, like, not how he looks necessarily, but trying to project forward here to him and Tyler Conklin? Because this is a big change, Dane, from anything that we've seen before. I mean, since any of us have been covering this team, it's been always Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be good for the Vikings offense. I think down the stretch – Conklin proved that I think he was just as good as Kyle Rudolph, where he is in his career. Irv Smith, on the other hand, is just so much more dynamic than I think Kyle Rudolph has ever been. And I know Kyle Rudolph was a good player in his prime, and I think he probably still thinks he's in his prime. But, like, good red zone target, not like a dynamic weapon at the tight end position. I think that's something Irv Smith brings, and you saw that in the last month of the regular season. Like, I think that was against New Orleans. He caught two touchdowns in that just like scoring fast blowout that the, the Vikings, I think they needed to win the game to keep their playoff hopes alive. They got killed. But the last half of the regular season, I think, was a good sign. Um, if you were 
planning on moving forward as the Vikings front office from Kyle Rudolph, like that last month showed you that Irv Smith ready to take the reins. And then looking at how he's approached this offseason, how he talked about approaching the offseason, I think he's ready to be that guy, you know, to put pressure on himself, like perform. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think he, he unlocks, you know, another level of this offense that maybe we haven't seen. Yeah, I, I think he and Conklin averaged like eight catches, 80 yards together in the last four games of the year without Rudolph last year, which is pretty, that's pretty good from the tight end position. Um, and I think it's impressive, like not only how much faith they're showing in Irv, but, but Conklin too, because mm-hmm. they didn't really bring in anyone to challenge them. I mean, Brandon Dillon is still a person and Zach Davidson, the punter, long snapper, tight end hybrid is a person. He also dropped like a really bad pass today, but I digress. They're really giving Conklin the reins here to sort of like prove himself, maybe even earn like a next contract with this team. Um, And Irv seems really excited to play with Conk. So I'm looking forward to that partnership. And I think when you have a starting tight end in Rudolph, who was like very, very good at one thing, which was like red zone, but not as effective between the 20s, I do think you're limiting your big play potential a little bit. So Irv Smith, like in the intermediate parts of the field, could be really, really, really effective, like between 15 and 25 yards. Those little seam routes that he occasionally runs could be, you know, a, a bread and butter play for this team, I think. I also thought it was uh, mildly interesting that he talked about getting with his, was it his sister or? Uh, his cousin. Cousin. His cousin. Okay. cousin. Yeah. Um, getting with his cousin who is a nutritionist and really putting a lot of focus on this. Now, this will come up in our out-of-context quotes that we're going to talk about later. But, um, I mean, I, th- I think it's really noticeable just that he put a lot of focus into this and that he appears to really want to take this next step. I thought it was Mm -hmm. uh, impressive what he did down the stretch, taking on the full load after being more of the move around guy uh, at the, you know, for the most of the season and most of his first two years, but then to come back and actually look like even a little bit different and prepared and to have Mike Zimmer sort of taking notice of that. um, I think these are all, these are all good signs. Now let me change the subject a little bit to the offensive line where, of course, Sam was apoplectic last week that the Vikings were not putting the rookies in. And uh, this week, Christian Darisaw was out with a groin strain uh, or or something, was Mike Zimmer's quote. A, tw- a, groin, a tweak? Did he a call gro- it a tweak? Oh, he did not call it a tweak. But he should. He should troll us. And this was Dane's idea. He should troll us and just call everything a tweak. But Zimmer had this quote, and this is one to be taken seriously. He said about them, I asked about getting those guys in to be starters or competing for the jobs. And, Dane, he said, at some point you've got to get them in uh, if they're a talented guy and they're doing things right. Sometimes baptism by fire. That, to me, sounds like, okay, everybody, relax. These guys are going to start, all right? Yeah, it it seems like – and I don't know why it hasn't happened already, but it seems like it's only a matter of time before we see Rashad Hill be kind of the swing tackle and Christian Darisaw step in. You know, right now Rashad Hill's getting those left tackle reps. I don't think he'll get those come training camp. I think at some point you do have to see what you have in Christian Darisaw. And same with Wyatt Davis. Like, do you want to run it back with Dakota Dozier again? Like, he's a fine depth player, but he shouldn't be on your starting right guard. Um, And if Wyatt Davis is this diamond in the rough that people think he is and would have been a first-round pick had it not been for the COVID year, like, then you got to see what you have in them. And I I think that quote from Zimmer was a little telling because I feel like in the past it's been like, you know, we'll work these guys in when we see fit, like, or, 
you know, just wait, well, we're going to be patient with these guys. And, and he kind of came out today and said, like, we're going to play them. We're going to baptize them by fire, um, which is a little bit different of a tenor than he's hit, done with his offensive line in the past, I thought. You feel better, Sam? No, no. I'm, I mean, I, I don't really. My opinion is still the same. But my question is, like, is it entirely dependent on the rookies? Or can the, could the veterans, like, do enough to hold the job? And in my mind, I think the answer is no. There's, there's no amount that we could see from Dakota Dozier and Rashad Hill, who just have, like, too much of a track record. Like, we know that Dakota Dozier is bad, and we know that Rashad Hill is, like, fine. But we, we're pretty positive that they're not going to suddenly become, you know, um, Quentin Nelson and Joe Thomas. So if they can't do anything to, to, like, keep those jobs, then what are we doing here? Like, like, let's get the rookies in a spot where they can fail with the ones in, like, a safe, team-controlled environment and, like, work it all out now instead of waiting to put them with the ones. And it's not, you know, Ezra Cleveland is still pretty new to this, too. Like, I think he needs time to get used to the guy he's playing next to. There, there are other pieces at work here that also could use the reps. I, I still don't get why they would wait. Isn't it a little bit of, like... Here's here is the bar, guys. The bar is set at Rashad Hill. Go beat the bar. Like they, you know, they didn't go out and get someone who has this long track record or something. I mean, they got two guys that they brought back in Rashad Hill and Dakota Dozier, who were, um, you know, there's going to be a boxing analogy later, but like there's, uh, you know, tomato cans is what they would call. The, the boxing thing, like if you're fighting somebody who you should easily beat to just kind of stack up your record. Like well, these are guys, and I shouldn't disrespect Rashad Hill that way. I think that he could be a fine starter in the league, and he played like 800 snaps or something in 2017. So I think he could start for someone in the league. Uh, but he's still a backup swing tackle that Christian Dersaw should be able to take over, and the same thing goes for Dakota Dozier. So I don't mind setting those guys there and saying, Here's two veterans who we know aren't great, so you guys should be able to take their jobs. Go ahead. When do you let them try and take those jobs then? Because like, I thought that should have happened by now, right? I, I guess it's only the second week of OTAs, but like, if this is continuing into minicamp and we're not seeing those guys with the ones at least intermittently, then I agree with Sam. Like, what are we doing? Like, why, why wait? What are we waiting for? But how can we really figure out, like, whether they're ready or not in OTAs? Like, these guys aren't even taking reps. Like, they're just sort of standing there. So I, 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 I think what we want to see – tell me if you guys agree with this. I think what we want to see is who cares where they play right now. And, what, and once you get to um, the point of training camp when the pads come on, you at least want to see in and out. Like, okay, Dakota Dozier's taking first reps – but then on the next first team reps, it's Wyatt Davis or something. Like, I think that that's fair. And then by the time you get to, like, the second preseason game, it better be the, the rookies. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with the rotation. And I've said the same thing about Kellen Mond, too. Like, you, you don't need to declare them the starter or, like, the backup in Mond's case. But just let them, like, have some of those reps. Kellen Mond has thrown, like – three passes in the two the two practices that we've seen because they keep calling off the the third team reps kind of earlier than the first and the second so he's just not getting the work and at some point you need to like expect promising prospects to like rise to your expectations if you expect more of them 
they might be able to, to sort of elevate their game to that status. Dane, how do you feel about uh, the Browning bandwagon? He was the he was the best quarterback today. Low bar, but he was the best quarterback today. Jake, I will say this for Jake Browning. He looks like he knows how to play quarterback. And in the limited reps we've had with Kellen Mond, he certainly unleashed one really impressive throw. But there have been other times where he sort of dropped back and been like, oh, I don't really, I'm not sure what's going on here, which is okay, and that's what happens. But um, if Kellen Mond is legitimately not ready to be the backup, Dane, like, do you think that they'll go with Browning? This, this, is this going to happen? I don't think so. I know you're driving the Browning bandwagon, but like if (laughs) Kellen Mond like can't figure it out or isn't ready or is like very clearly deer in headlights in the training camp preseason, I would assume that Mike Zimmer of all people is not going to go with Jake Browning. I it it does appear that Zimmer likes Drake Browning. Like he's giving him all the second team reps, but like Mike Zimmer has always been someone who's like I need an established backup. That's why Sean Mannion was on the team. Like Sean Mannion. Great dude. Not that good of a quarterback, but, like, they held on to the fact that he started, like, six games one time in again, with for the Rams. And, like, everyone, oh, he, he's an experienced backup. That's what we need. I don't think Zimmer's going in to the season, Kirk Cousins as the starter, and Jake Browning, a guy who's never thrown a pass in the NFL, as his backup. Um, maybe that can change, though, if Browning shows up in the preseason. But this all goes back to kind of what Sam was saying, like, you have to see if Kellen Mond's ready, and I know it's OTAs. You're right about that. Like these reps, I guess, are kind of meaningless, like because they're not real reps. They're not with pads on. They're not hitting. Um, but you have to see what you have in Kellen Mond. But if, if Mond isn't the backup, I would go ahead and venture to guess that neither is Jake Browning. Yeah, it's interesting because if Mond is not the backup, that means they're keeping three quarterbacks. Right. And that's right. not something this team's usually done. They usually go with the, the the starter and the vet backup and that's it. And then they've got their practice squad guy, which has been Browning the past couple of years. But they're kind of at an impasse with Browning. Like, can you do a, another year of practice squad with him? Like, technically, yes. But um, it, you're kind of running out of time. Like, at some point, you know, he's going to want more and you've got to, like, give him, like, more of a chance. And, and I, I think this team is looking for – kind of in the same way that they looked for it with Mannion, just someone who like understands what to do without being exceptionally talented or threatening to Kirk Cousins. So could Jake Browning fulfill that part of it? Sure. Sure. I guess he could. (laughs) Is that inspiring? Like any, any fans? No. And is the team going to win a lot of games with him in an extended period of time? No, but I guess like now that he's sort of the third year veteran, maybe he could be a, you know, veteran-esque presence that can like help Kirk during the week game plan and learn the playbook. I don't think he's like very, I don't think he's particularly talented, um, but I guess he could maybe like kind of fulfill that mold that the team does look for. Well, let me ask you, Dane, the similar question about like, when does this have to happen though for Mon to be the backup quarterback to not be like, Oh, uh, what is, exactly happening here because I again have no issue with it happening in OTAs because this just really doesn't matter that much uh, or isn't I guess it isn't really all that predictive is what I'm saying is like once you get into pad practices and training camp we know who's playing where where everybody stands and we can figure that stuff out on a daily basis when things change it's a big deal oh this guy's finally taking first team reps 
But with this, it's just like they're getting out there going through the steps and trying to sort of figure out where they're supposed to even throw the football. But I would say once, even once training camp starts, if he's not the number two quarterback, that, that would, that would like make me a little concerned. Yeah, I would think so. Like, I think you take a guy like that in third round, knowing that it's going to create a big stir and people are going to already be like, they should start him. He should be the guy already. But like, you look at what Kellen Mond has done and you haven't seen a lot out of him, right? But it's because he hasn't gotten the opportunity. And it's like, I keep going to the fact and going back to the fact and reminding myself it's like the second week of OTAs. But if Kellen Mond threw a pass like he threw today to Amir Smith Marset and he was throwing it to even like BC Johnson, we would be walk away from this practice and be like, wow, Kellen Mond, that was a great throw. And like, they, they threw a touchdown. Well, you got to give him the opportunity to throw to guys like that, to guys that aren't your fifth round receiver, Amir Smith Marset. You know, maybe he'll be a returner for the Vikings, but maybe he'll be cut. Maybe he won't even be on the team in like the third week of the preseason. So you have to give your third round pick quarterback, someone you've invested a lot of draft capital into, like opportunities to perform in like like positive situations, mm-hmm. like where he's going to have you know, help around him. But I think you're right. If he's not in that position by first week, second week of training camp, that's something that we're not seeing. That's something the, the, the coaching staff is seeing and saying, like, this kid isn't ready. So if, it's concerning at that point if he's not with the twos. I Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And, of course, there's much, much more if you go to SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them at Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. It'll be disappointing if we only see Mond late in preseason games. 
because that's when stuff gets ugly. I mean, the play calling, for one, gets very conservative. The offensive line play gets bad. Um, and what we've seen in the past with QB3s and QB4s is is that they usually end up kind of having to freelance. Like Taylor Heineke and Kyle Sloter just ran around. And, you know, they made plays occasionally, but that it wasn't all that sustainable for them. So if you don't see Mond getting some second quarter reps with at least the twos in the preseason, we're not going to learn a whole lot about him. Like unless they really call like kind of a, an aggressive play sheet for him in the second half of a preseason game, which doesn't seem likely, then that is also going to be a missed opportunity. And at this point, like who, who needs those reps more Jake Browning or Kellen Mond. I mean, it has not, don't even like bring status into it, like on the depth chart. Just like who who needs that experience? It's the rookie for sure. It is, and yet it's always very much about who's playing better for where you get uh, on the depth chart and, and where you get your reps. Like we don't see someone who's struggling get bumped up to the first team to see if it sort of inspires them or because they might eventually have to play there. Uh, broad question though for both of you guys. Like, do you think that Zimmer brings these people along too slowly? Um, because I guess I could see an argument for both. Like, um, I was talking with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. He made a case about, and this doesn't exactly apply to Mon, but it certainly does to the offensive linemen and maybe some of the other draft picks if they're capable of getting in the game. But when you have guys on rookie contracts, you have to make the most of that because eventually you have to pay them or you'll have to let them go. So if you don't get... Um, much out of like Ezra Cleveland in his first year and he's a second round pick. Well, you've wasted one year of his rookie contract screwing around with him, moving from you know left tackle to right guard. And now he's going back to left guard. And I, I wonder if you guys think that um, this team has done that too much in recent years. And there's even the example of kind of being, you know, slow with Justin Jefferson, who was, you know, the best rookie receiver in history, almost statistically. Uh, so I wonder if you guys think that or if you think it's the right approach. I Anyone think is fine. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of like backwards. Like we saw Justin Jefferson in training camp, and you could tell he was better than B.C. Johnson. We saw him make these catches, perform, run, run routes. Like his performance in week three against the Titans was surprising, but it – because it was so gaudy, like the numbers he put up were gaudy. And obviously the performance he put forth after that were also gaudy. Like you said, he was one of the best rookie receivers of all time. But it wasn't surprising necessarily that he was hands down better than B.C. Johnson because we saw that. And I think there was this – there's always this want with this coaching staff and this kind of regime to like bring these guys along slowly. And I think it's okay sometimes to throw these rookies in. I'm not saying throw your fifth-round – pick into a starting situation. But I even look at Brian O'Neill. Like that guy was supposed to have basically a red shirt year and he played in his rookie year and he was really good. And then for that experience, he was even better in year two. And now he's a very, very good right tackle. Like it's okay to let, to try these guys. And I don't think trying them and playing them in certain scenarios and throwing them into the deep end a little bit means you can't pull back, but I think you have to let them try and, sometimes they've been a little bit too slow to do that, I think. I agree with Dane. And I, I think you have to look at each case a little bit individually because in some of these instances, they're holding the fort down with somebody who is clearly not going to be a long-term answer or someone who is like evidently not 
better. I mean, I think Jefferson over BC Johnson's a good example. I think what they're doing potentially right now with Rashad Hill and, and Dakota Dozier above Derisaw and Davis, what they did with Hill over O'Neill, like Dane mentioned. Um, but then you've got some of the first round corners that they've taken in the past or the second round corner in McKenzie's case. And, and they were slow played, but they were behind, you know, Captain Munerlin, who was good, Terrence Newman, who was good, Xavier Rhodes, who was good. So that was justifiable. And that's a harder position to learn. But like, you know, Eric Kendricks being held back by Gerald Hodges, like, and that, that was like six years ago. And that, that was strange too. And Fortunately, they realized it, and they traded Hodges and started Kendricks, and, and that worked out okay. But for, for more, more often than not, it feels like they're, they're bringing them along too slowly. And I think that's something that they, could, that they keep finding out that they don't necessarily need to do because a lot of these rookies that they have given responsibility to have been okay. I think um, probably players are more prepared than they ever have been before, and maybe there's a little bit of with Zimmer, it's, hey, you got to have it all down in every single assignment and everything else, and, and the baptism by fire is something that he says but doesn't always apply. They they did play uh, Pat Elfline as a rookie, uh, but it took not only one guy getting hurt in Pat Elfline, but also Drew Samia, who played as poorly as I've ever seen anyone play right guard, for Ezra Cleveland to even get his chance. And he came in, and there were struggles, but he was instantly better than both of those guys. And you wonder, okay, are there situations where that's going to be the case? Cornerback seems to be one where you just have a really tough time doing it uh, in year one. I have one more subject for you guys before we get to our uh, in-depth look at some of the quotes from the day. We'll just put it that way. Um Anthony Barr, I, I asked Mike Zimmer about Anthony Barr today, and he said basically having him back is immensely valuable because they can do things with him that they can't necessarily do with other people. And, and this has been sort of the drum that Zimmer has been banging on Anthony Barr for uh, a long time now of like, hey, look, I mean, I really trust him. He can help me with adjustments. There's a lot of things that he does. Uh, Dane, if Anthony Barr is in his last year, and he plays with sort of a typical Anthony Barr season. How do you think we look at his Vikings career uh, for Anthony Barr? I think we look at it as he was a really good player, but I don't know how much he impacted winning. And I guess that's kind of hard to, to say because, like, he's a linebacker. Like, so he does so many things, uh, and he can have the best game of his life, and if the quarterback's terrible, the Vikings lose. But – he takes up a good chunk of the salary cap, and he he's really good. I understand that, and I know he does a lot of things. And But does he really impact winning at the end of the day? Like, I'm not sure because I, I know Zimmer said, you know, to having him back is going to allow the defense to do so much more. And I know the defense fell off a cliff last year and was terrible. But that was across the board, injuries across the board. I thought Eric Wilson was – was okay, like filling in for Anthony Barr. I, I just think, like, are you going – if I'm going to invest in a linebacker, I'm investing in Eric Kendricks, my middle linebacker, who can go sideline to sideline, play, you know, against the run, defend the pass, be all over the field. If you invest all that money into an outside guy like, like Barr again, if they're not rushing the passer, I'm not sure, like, how much you're gaining compared to, like, a replacement-level player. So I thought last year – Look, Anthony Barr might come in this year and, and light the world on fire, do everything that Zimmer says he does, and the Vikings are way, way, way better for it. 
But I thought Eric Wilson performing admirably in that role last year was kind of a case of like, okay, we don't need to throw all this money at Anthony Barr next year when his contract's up if he's going to want more because how much does he really impact winning at the end of the day? Yeah, well stated by Dane. I, I think we will look back in five, ten years at Barr's career, which if he's done after this year, it's an eight-year career. And I think we'll look at it sort of like E.J. Henderson from like, you know, the, the 2000s and the early 2010s. Um, you know, I don't know if he had like the same impact on the franchise as even like a Chad Greenway, who was, was a first-round pick and played a decade. And I think he got usurped by Kendricks, which, you know, because they're playing kind of on the same teams, it's it's very evident, like, the impact that an elite of an elite of the elite linebacker, the impact they can have. And Kendricks does. And, it, like, the, the plays he makes every game, you know, um, whether it's a tackle for loss or a key pass breakup on third down or a really nice interception – he makes those plays so regularly, and I don't know if Barr does that. And I know that, that they like to talk about him as sort of a, a decoy or a chess piece that can that the offense has to account for. But at the end of the day, there, there's not as much production to show for it. So I, I've always kind of been an advocate for, like, his impact being not really on the box score. But I can't, I can't ignore the lack of box score production completely. I mean, the, it's, the, both of them are, you know, I think, factors here. So if, if he's done after 2021 and he has sort of like the same type of season that he has had, I think we look back and we say it was a little bit of a tease because early on it was very, like, encouraging for, like, the 2014 version of Barr. I think we assumed more ascension and we didn't necessarily see it. Yeah, I think that uh, there's two parts to it, and you guys make great points on this. Um, the first part is like what someone like Eric Kendricks has, or some of the elite linebackers is not only and and Kendricks doesn't like stack the box score necessarily, but splash plays happen a lot, and it could just be a a tackle for a one yard game, but it's a huge play or just like a pass defended or something like that. So it's all that other stuff that Zimmer describes plus. And what we had with Eric Wilson was a lot of those pluses. I mean, he had interceptions, he had sacks, he was just as good at blitzing as Anthony Barr was, and it sort of shined a light on the price tag will just never go away from this conversation. It's very much like Kirk Cousins, where maybe in the legacy part of it, or we go like, oh yeah, you know, five years ago, Anthony Barr was a big pro bowler for them. We're not going to go, but remember his cap hit was a certain percentage. So I think that like maybe in hindsight, he will be looked at a little more favorably because we focused so much on his contract. But I also think that when he had those splash plays early in his career and they never really came back, the sacks, the pass deflections, the interceptions, it sort of made it even more challenging to explain why he was worth what they were paying him, even if we can all agree that he's, uh, that he's pretty good. Do you have something else on that, Dane? No. Oh, your face said that, though. Your face said, I have something else to say. Okay, I wanted to make sure. And tell me, Sam, if you have anything else. Did you want, before I get to this game, did you want to highlight K.J. Osborne's day? I know that you like the way he played today. Um, you know, all I'll say on K.J. Osborne is you can, you can get my take on him on uh, our TCO Takeaways video on the Purple you Insider YouTube channel. Oh, man. How's that for a plug? You called it TCO Takeaways? That. You, uh, yeah, you got to have alliteration. It's a, but that's a that's like an it. orthopedics place. 
It's like performance center. Wait, you're saying so. it's copyright infringement? What, yeah, well, what's your no, implication? No, 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 no. no. You know like, what it means. Our takeaways from what was going on at the orthopedic center is basically how that sounds. No, I'm, I'm well, just. Well, we were, we were, we were sort shooting of the video with the orthopedic center in the background. That's so true. I think there's a clear tie-in. It's a fair point. Okay, so KJ Osborne was fine. Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Uh, all right. Okay. So I pulled five. We had a bunch of Zoom calls today with these people, and uh, we I pulled five quotes from Vikings. And it's not really a, a game so much as I'm going to read them out of context, and we need to talk about them. Okay. So this was from uh, Irv Smith. He says, "A lot of times after you eat, you kind of get tired." That was from Irv Smith. And um, your guy's comments. He says, "A lot of times after you eat, you get tired." Go ahead. He's absolutely right. A lot of times after 100%. you eat, you do get tired. Uh, Irv Smith, you're talking right to me, right into my soul. I feel you. I had lunch before this podcast. It was a late lunch. Almost fell asleep. Fell asleep on the couch. Almost. Good thing. You, good thing my phone was on, not silent, because I probably wouldn't be here right now because I ate lunch. <laughs> She's sleeping, and I got a little bit. I got a little bit tired. I feel you, Irv Smith, 100. percent Yeah, and he was talking about um, the like importance of nutrition and how you can avoid that. And I had two hamburgers off of our new grill to, uh, for lunch today. I am desperate for a nap right now. Like I'm surprised we've gotten to 33 minutes because after I have a big meal, I mean, it's nap time. Also, you know, I'm a little older than you, Dane. I have found in my mid thirties here, the value of a good 15 to 20 minute nap. I think it's really important. Yeah, I I'm getting there. I'm pushing 30. So I mean, the naps, they do hit a little different now. They hit, you know, like I wish I knew what I know now about naps. Like when I was, <laughs> I wish I appreciated those a little bit more than I did. Um, but going back to whatever Smith said, like, I'm sure he takes a little bit of a, you know, a nap after he eats, you know, a shrimp po' boy down in, in New Orleans, like he was talking about. Eats some crawfish remember. down in New Orleans, like he was talking about. Yeah, he doesn't eat those anymore. Sam, your comment. With his- yeah, no. Well, this is this is almost some breaking news here. Um, Irv Smith just replied to the tweet that I sent out about his his diet, and uh, he adds, "Diet is key!" Exclamation point. Swerving oh, wow. Irvin himself. <laughs> That's right. Given the Sam Ekstrom Twitter I mean, a little love. He was just spitting facts today, like about being sleepy after you eat and. Diet is key. Okay, well, here's we, a- we we had like a huge beat writer dinner in New Orleans oh um, yes, the, the night before the the big playoff game two years ago, and I mean I don't know about I don't know about you Matthew, but I went back to the hotel and I slept it off. I mean I totally get it. That New Orleans food like requires you to sleep at least one hour. 
This was actually my question to Irv Smith today. One of my questions. It wasn't important, but I said, like, how do you even <laughs> diet when you live in New Orleans? I mean, it's like the, the best food. So uh, let me get to the next one. This is from Ezra Cleveland. He says, in terms of Mike and Delvin, they're great dudes. They're definitely big. That's uh, Ezra Cleveland. Uh, Sam, your reaction. You know what? And, and by the way, he's referring to um, Mike Pierce and Delvin Tomlinson. That might be a little confusing when you hear Delvin. Um, that that tells me that he does not know anything about those people. Because when, <laughs> the first thing that that comes to mind is, yeah, they're definitely big. I think, right? Like, do do you know their hometowns? Do you know their birthdays? Their horoscope or anything? No. Okay, they're big though. They are big. But, but let's be honest though, you saw them, right? I mean, oh my God, they, they are, are big, so big. Strong agree. Yeah. Yeah, like half a ton combined, basically. <laughs> Seem like great dudes in the Zoom conferences yeah. that we've gotten out of them. Okay, yeah, we'd next, love to hear more from them. Next one, uh, uh, this is um, from Brian O'Neill. He says, and you're like, okay, this guy really loves football. Um, and he could have been talking about any of us, but he was talking about Clint Kubiak. So, guys, the offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings loves football. React. Thank God he loves football. I mean, if he didn't love football, I, I don't think Zimmer would have hired him because Zimmer <laughs> is the most football guy I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what a what, what a crazy thing for to, to to hear out of context. Like, what what do you think about your new offensive coordinator and his scheme? Hey, you know he loves football, so that's good. <laughs> well, good thing Clint Kubiak loves football. Let's see if he can call plays. But he loves football. That's great. My my favorite. Uh, Clint Kubiakism from the one press conference we've had is that he he has one piece of his dad's mannerism that carried over genetically. Um, Gary would always compliment our questions. He would say, oh, yes. that, that's, that's a really a good question. question. And Clint did the exact same thing. So I think I, I'm good with Clint. I think Clint has potential. He's still, he's not Gary yet. Gary was untouchable, oh. but he's, he's working his way there. No one will ever be Gary, but um, it would be funny if we asked a player about Clint Kubiak. He's like, I don't know, man. The guy has dad issues. He hates football, and he's only doing this because his dad made him. But he's like an NFL offensive coordinator. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't want to be here. (laughs) This is uh, from Mike Zimmer. He says, it's like the old saying, what does a boxer do to get ready? Well, he's going to spar. He's got to box. Football players, that's what they've got to do. They've got to play football. You guys heard that old thing? Is that a saying? I don't think that's it. What's the saying? How old is the saying? Boxers got to spar. What do they got to (laughs) do? They got to spar. They got to eat. They got to take naps. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I assume, so like, you know, sparring is getting in the ring and and practicing, you know, hitting, hitting your opponent, getting hit. But then Mike Zimmer, like in the next breath, is talking about removing all the physicality in the trenches. I, I think he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth here. I think he just started talking and didn't know where he was going. <laughs> and, like, anytime someone says, like, you know, that I do it sometimes. Like, oh, you know that saying? And I can't really think of the saying, so I just blurt out words. I think it was, like, word vomit. But when I heard him say that this morning, I was like, Yes, I am back to covering the NFL football. <laughs> like they don't know in in the NHL, they don't say like you know, 
just you know love hockey like he's a hockey right. guy I right. guess they say that too but it was just the most football quote of all time from the head coach and it was good to be back if Mike Zimmer was coaching the wild Dane he would have had Kaprizov on the fourth line until March he's got to earn his way <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, th- and this is one of the, to me, it's the, fl- one of the flat out best reasons to cover the NFL and talk about it and everything else is how much these people freaking love football. And, and like every day they just talk about like, man, football, right? Like this is why we sometimes just yell football on the show is be- I mean, li- listen to this quote, football players, what's well, what they've got to do. They've got to play football. Like hell yeah, they do, Mike. I mean, it's just like, I don't know, man. It's so great how much they love saying the word football, how much they like talking about it. They won't say, oh, you know, you kind of throw it down the field. They're like, we're going to throw the football down the football field, and we got to catch the football. we got to run the football into the end zone. And if you're the defensive back, you got to go get the football. So that's great. That was his for today. Uh, last one. This is from Ezra Cleveland again. He says, it's great to be able to invite people over and have a barbecue or whatever. And I just – Ezra, I've never uh, – the nap quote I really felt uh, – well, I, wait, that he didn't actually say naps. But the eating and being sleepy quote I really felt. But, guys, so great, though, to be able to invite people over for barbecues. I mean, I really felt that. Yeah, I the, love it seems like a lot of these revolve around food. Like, Ir, Irv is trying to avoid barbecues because right, he wants right, to right, not right. be as sleepy. But <laughs> Dalvin and Mike, they're going to plenty of barbecues they're big. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was just trying to comment on like you know COVID almost being gone and stuff, but you know take it whatever way you like. <laughs> Ezra's that's bigger. It, that, that's it. There's nothing more. I know Neil talked about how Ezra's bigger. He's been going to barbecues. <laughs> this can't go on any longer. So <laughs> that's I'm it. Speechless. That's it. This is this is something that I can't wait to continue throughout training camp. Is out of context quotes. That we could talk about. All of those had some sort of important meaning. Um, uh, so I just want to say that, that they all meant something. But um, you'll have to read about it at our Substack. So that's it. Uh, Dane, you're the best. Glad to see you and hope to golf with you soon because um, it's the best to play golf with you. And uh, look forward to seeing you much more often on the football beat, my friend. Football. Can't wait. Also, people should listen to your golf podcast if they want. It's Bunker to Bunker with a two. So there you have it. They could do that. Listen to Dane talk golf. All right, bye.